0: The end of Jude is one of the greatest doxologies contained in Scripture. It's fitting that such a passionate letter that deals with the serious threat of false teachers, the grave dangers of falling away from the faith, and the urgent exhortation to contend for the faith would end with such a climactic doxology of praise. This letter goes from the depths to the heights. And Jude ends with this climactic doxology in order to fuel the church's confidence to contend for the faith. Last week, we considered Verse 20 through 23, and we heard Jude exhort the church to contend for the faith by keeping yourselves in the love of God and then fighting for the faith of those who are doubting and departing. Well, that exhortation feels like an impossible assignment, doesn't it? I can't keep myself in the faith. So along with that call to action, Jude fuels their confidence. So just like the Lord filled Israel and her kings with confidence when they faced enemies uh, enemies that were far superior to them by saying to Israel, Fight, for I have delivered them into your hands. So Jude says to all Christians, keep the faith. Fight for others to keep the faith. Because ultimately, God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence in glory. Praise God for that. Amen. That's how Jude closes his letter. So let's read this climactic doxology together. Out loud. The words are on the screen for you. This is God's word through Jude, verses 24, 25. Everyone. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. So Jude concludes his letter with a doxology that, Frees us from our fears, gives us security, and then fills us with a confidence to keep the faith because ultimately God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence by his power, through his grace, and for his glory. I contend that those last three phrases is an adequate exposition of Jude 24 and 25. God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence by his power, number one. Through his grace, number two and for his glory. This doxology is a threefold praise that extols God's power, God's grace, and God's glory. And friends, that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's unpack this doxology and look at these three things one at a time. First of all, Jude says that ultimately God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence by his power. That's verse 24. Look at it. Verse 24 says, now to him who is, keyword able. Able to keep you from stumbling. Able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. What is God able to do? And and by the exalted praise that's offered in this doxology, it's clear that only God has the ability to do these things and we do not have the ability to do these things at all. If left to us and our ability, these things will not happen. Only God is able to do these things. So what is God able to do? God uses his infinite power to accomplish two things, according to Jude 24. Number one, to keep you from stumbling. Do you see that there? To keep you from stumbling. To stumble means to fall down or to be defeated. It's, it's like a runner who finishes the race because she didn't fall down and injure herself. It's, it's like an army that wins the battle because they were not defeated. Christians do not fall away because God's power keeps us from falling. J.I. Packer says, God is adequate as our keeper. Your faith is will not fail while God sustains it. You are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. Isn't that good news? See, our salvation begins with the power of God, is sustained by the power of God, and is completed By the power of God. It didn't start with us, doesn't sustain with us, and doesn't finish with us. It's all, quote, by his power. Peter talks about this. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Peter starts his letter with a doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who, you who, by God's power are being guarded Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you see God's power from beginning to end? It's God who caused us to be born again, and then God who is guarding us, keeping us for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. Christians keep the faith because God. By his power keeps us in the faith and keeps us from falling. It's just like the three year old who slam dunks a basketball at the local playground because his daddy held him up high enough to put the ball through the hoop. He was involved, but it was his father's power. It's just like Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho by walking around the outside of the city, blowing trumpets and smashing jars. They fought, but it was the power of God that knocked the walls down and won the victory. You see, this, this idea of God's power keeping us and enabling us to do what we can't and specifically not allowing us to fall. It happens to me almost every morning or it, it, it comes to mind almost every morning when I get up out of bed and I, I take my little dog Piper who's six pounds and covered with hair, unlike me. She's covered with hair and, and she's got hair all over her little paws and we have hardwood steps. And when we first moved there she could go up the steps and she would try to navigate her way down the steps but you try walking down hardwood steps with hair all over your feet. Inevitably she would get stuck and start to slip and she, you would just see her frozen there and sometimes she would fall and slide down the steps. So being the merciful dog owners that we are. We still allow her to to walk up, but we carry her down the stairs every morning. And as I do, she is in my arms like this. I can feel her stiff and trembling until we get down to the bottom and I set her down and she's all excited. That's just about like me. I'm going to fall. But God, by his power, carries us. Even if we're fearful, even if we're a bit stiff, he carries us and is able to keep us from falling. The second thing that God is able to do, according to Jude 24, notice there in that third line, now to him who is able to present you, before his glorious presence. To present you is a good translation of this verb. God brings us there and presents us. The power of God ensures that we make it to the end and that we're presented where? In his glorious presence but I actually prefer the versions of the Bible that translate this a bit more rigidly rather than to present you. This verb means to make you stand solid, secure in the presence of God. We are positioned in the presence of God because the power of God brought us there and stood us there. And this doxology looks forward to the final consummation when all believers will stand before God in the blessing unlike the false teachers who will experience the gloom of utter darkness in judgment. And remember, friends, it takes God's power To make us stand in his presence. Because we're the ones. Who by our collective rebellion in the garden. Were banished from God's presence. Only God's power can make us. Stand and present us back into. God's presence. But he does friends. And we see this beautiful scene in Revelation chapter 7. Where. John the Revelator says, after this I looked and behold, listen to this, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands." Those who are in the faith are in that picture. By God's power, he makes us to stand with the multitude of the redeemed from every tribe and tongue throughout all time. Will you be there? Notice that Jude gives two descriptions in our text of how we will stand before God. We will be standing before God, before his glorious presence, in two ways. Number one, he presents us blameless. Blameless. To be blameless is to have no moral fault. That'll never happen to me. I'm sinful. I'm to be blamed and shamed through and through. How is it possible that God will stand me before His glorious presence and I will be blameless? The gospel of Jesus, that's how. Because the power of the gospel of Jesus makes a great exchange. Jesus takes our sin on Him. He puts it to death, buries it in the grave, and then He resurrects in glorious righteousness. In the great exchange wherein He has taken our sin upon Him and put it to death, He gives us back His robe of righteousness. We see this vividly in Zechariah chapter 3. And Jude has been pointing to this several times now throughout his letter. In Zechariah 3... Joshua the high priest was standing before the angel and he was clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said, Behold, I have taken away your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with pure garments. This is the essence of of the doxology in Isaiah chapter 61 where the prophet and all of the people of God say this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, like a bride adorns herself with jewels. And friends, that's exactly what we are in Christ. We are the bride of Christ and the power of God through his gospel has brought us into a covenant with Jesus. A covenant wherein Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And notice what Christ does for the church he gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that, are you ready? He might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be Holy and without blemish. Now to Him who is able to present you blameless. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power to make sinners blameless. And nowhere else. Not only will we stand there blameless, but secondly, look, we'll stand there with great joy. You see that? To present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Feels like an understatement to me about now, doesn't it? This is this is something that I believe. But I feel so much shame because I know me. I hear my thoughts. I know my motives. This is so far from me and I feel so much shame that I feel like when I stand before God, all I'm going to want to do is just get on my face and, and just, just be relieved that I'm there. I feel like maybe I'll be like the sinful woman in Luke 7 who knew her sinfulness and she just got down on the floor at the feet of Jesus and cried and held on to his ankles. But the reality, the reality that we not only believe but will experience is that the gospel makes us so pure, so holy, so blameless that we're going to come out of hiding. No longer are we with Father Adam and Mother Eve in the bushes, but we come out, no shame, no fear in the presence of God. Now, what? With great joy, friends. Friends, you don't have to hide from God because you know your sin. You can come out, confess your sins. Jesus put your sins to death, and now you can have joy and holiness. Real actionable, right now, already, but not yet, holiness. That's the doctrine of justification. Beautiful. And it comes to us by the power of God. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you in his presence blameless, and with great joy. Ultimately, God is the one who keeps us and causes us to stand not only by his power, but number two, through his grace. I take that from 20, verse 25a. Verse 25a, read it. After giving this initial sentence or portion of a sentence, Jude says, to the only God. Who is the one who's able? The only God is able. He's our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This only God who is our savior and saves through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the God who accomplishes all of this through grace. I think Jude is going back to the Jewish Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and he's emphasizing that unlike the rest of the world that is pluralistic, the Jews believe in one God and only one. The creator God of heaven and earth. And that God is two words. Our what? Judge. Our master. Yes. But in Christ, he is what? Our savior. See, I think it's natural for us to believe in a big, scary, sledgehammer wielding God that squashes rebels like a bug. There's no question. God will judge every sin. But here's what's not human. Here's what's not natural. Believing that that cosmic creator and judge of the universe crushed his own son with the hammer of justice to make his enemies his friends. He's not just our judge. He is our savior. That's something to praise God about. That's the grace of God. And God demonstrated this. He, he made a, he made a an object lesson out of a nation on earth. He, he chose one people, and he he showed what it looks like to become the people of God on earth. That people was Israel. They were the children of Abraham, and. God made this promise to that people. Listen to the Isaiah 43 again. Nate read it for us earlier. Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You. You. Are mine. That's grace. You are mine. How does he accomplish this salvation? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some commentators say that what Jude means here is that all the praise is going to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, fine. What are we praising God for? For being our Savior. And He is our Savior how? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God accomplishes this salvation not by looking out at all of humanity and finding the good people. There are none. Just check yesterday. How about this morning? Last week? Last year? You're not good. You know it. Your thoughts aren't good. Your heart isn't good. Neither is mine. But God accomplishes this salvation through Jesus Christ, and that's grace. Now, the false teachers in verse 4 deny the only Lord Jesus Christ. But Jude praises the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul agrees. He says that salvation from beginning to end is all of grace. Here's why. Ephesians chapter 2. Because you, and he means all of us, you were dead in the trespasses and sins and you were by nature the children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that... Why did God do all of this? So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the works, not the result of works, so that no one will boast. God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence by his power through his grace. It's all grace. friends. Have you received the grace of God. Through Jesus Christ. Or are you still trying to earn God's favor. By your morality. Or by your good works. You can't be moral enough. You can't be good enough. God provided one way. Of salvation. And that is through the life. Death. Death. Resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. But that way is open for all, all who will receive by faith and grace so that no one gets the credit except God Himself. Number three, this doxology. Ultimately, God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence for his glory. Jude emphasizes the glory of God here at the end, and he does it using these four words. To him who is able, who? The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What? Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. That's All glory. Before all time, now, and forever. That's all time. God gets all the glory for all time. Because God has used his power to save sinful wretches, banished sinners and rebels like me and you. Glory and majesty. They capture the excellencies of who God is and what he's done in creation and redemption, don't they? People don't use glory and majesty when they talk about me. I'm not offended by that. I don't use glory and majesty when I talk about you. There's only one who deserves all glory and all majesty. And it is God. And why does he deserve this glory and majesty? Because of those next two words, because of his dominion and authority. This emphasizes the sovereignty of God. God has sovereign dominion and authority as the creator of heaven and earth. And there's nowhere that God doesn't exercise his sovereign power. Abraham Kuyper said that there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. All glory for all time. This last line, the the all time piece, makes Jude very special because every single doxology alludes to the length and the extent, the time period about which God will be glorified. But only Jude gives it this threefold emphasis. Jude says that God has all glory throughout all time, and then he marks it with three dimensions. Number one, before all time. Before there ever was an earth, God was glorious and majestic and had dominion and authority. Before all time, eternity passed. And, next word, now. Right now, friends. No matter what those false teachers say, no matter what this culture looks like, no matter if it looks like the world is going the wrong direction and our enemy is winning, right now, We have a glorious and majestic God who is exercising dominion and authority and accomplishing his purposes that will never be thwarted. Right now. Eternity past, present, and forever. Eternity future. We hear these same phrases. Extolling the lion-like lamb in Revelation 5 and 7 and 11. All this glory for all time is given to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the lion from the tribe of Judah. Why? Because He's the one that accomplished our salvation. So Jude concludes his letter by filling the church with confidence in the gospel. Ultimately, God is the one who keeps us from falling and causes us to stand in his presence by his power, through his grace, and for his glory. What are we supposed to do That about that? I think Jude would want us to do three things. Number one, we praise the Lord This is a doxology. It's meant to give voice to our praise. When we understand what God has done for us, it bursts forth in praise. Praise like Isaiah 25. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. That he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. In the joy of knowing that God keeps us from falling and will cause us to stand in his presence is, is an already joy and a not yet fulfilled joy. It's a future joy that fuels our present praise even in the midst of suffering and pain. How does that happen? On our worst days here, in the midst of our most agonizing suffering and our most grievous failures, our most painful losses, they are all illuminated by the reality that our biggest problem, namely sin and death, has been taken care of. It has been solved by the power and the grace and the glory of God. And our best days are yet to come. That future joy fuels present praise, even in the midst of suffering. And we follow Jesus in this pattern. Hebrews chapter 12 says that, that we're supposed to lay aside all of the things that, that might cause us to fall away. Sin and suffering. Why? We're supposed to look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was it that enabled Jesus to endure the cross? Think little of the pain. The joy that was set before him. Friends, when you go through suffering and difficulty here and now, remember your biggest problem has been eradicated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We praise the Lord for his power and his his grace and his glory. Number two, I think Jude would tell us, look, I closed the letter with this doxology so that you will keep the faith. What do we do about this doxology? Well, we praise the Lord, and then we keep the faith. This this doxology gives us the confidence we need to keep going. This is the, the twin doctrines of perseverance and preservation. We have both doctrines neatly laid out right here in the little letter of Jude. We've highlighted this a number of times. Look at Jude verse 1. To those who are called, beloved, and, next word, kept. Christians are kept for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now verse 24, now to him who is able to Keep you from stumbling. Jude starts off with preservation. You're kept. In the middle, he says, persevere. Keep the faith. And then he ends it with, you're preserved. Why this sandwich approach? To give us confidence. To say to us, keep the faith because God is keeping you. See, our our perseverance is fueled and secured by God's preservation. And God's promise to preserve us does not nullify the believer's responsibility to persevere. This is not just Jude. This is his oldest brother, Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says about preserving his own. Let this be balm for your weary, sinful souls. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give to them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. See, we rest. We rest in the power and grace of God our Father and His Son to keep us. We rest in that, friend. But resting in God's grace to keep us is not like The 20-something adult child who lives at home, stays in his room, and does nothing because he knows his parents will graciously provide for all his needs. That's not rest. That's laziness and abuse. Resting in the grace of God is working out our own salvation because God is working in us And will accomplish it. Resting. Resting in the covenant keeping love of God. Is not like the husband who gives himself to his work and neglects his wife and family. Because he knows that his wife will never break their marriage covenant. Friends that's not rest. That's infidelity. Resting in the covenant-keeping love of God fuels our love back to Him, not just in word, but in deed. Resting is working and trusting God who ultimately saves us and keeps us By his power, by his grace, and for his glory. Number three, not only do we praise God and we keep the faith, but finally, no doubt Jude would not let us walk away from his letter until he said, I put this doxology at the the end of a letter that warns about the dangers of falling away and, and highlights those who are doubting and departing. I want you to share this gospel with those who are doubting and those who are departing. Share this gospel with them. So doubting, friend, Do you see the power and the grace and the glory of God that will save you if you will simply turn away from your independence and autonomous lifestyle and turn to him by faith? Do you see the display of the power and grace and glory of God all to save you? Why would you ever walk away from that? Whatever it is that is drawing you away is nothing but deception. Jude ends with this doxology because he wants to fuel our confidence to contend for the faith. Christians, keep the faith and fight. So that others keep the faith. Why? Because God is keeping us from falling by His power, His grace, for His glory. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. And he will. Let's pray. Now God to you who are able to keep us from stumbling and to pre- present us blameless before your presence with great joy. To the only God who is our savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. God we give you all the glory and all the majesty and all the dominion and all the authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.